Welcome to Ultra Modern. This is a lifestyle and creative podcast created by Crosswalk Feature Of that examines the ways that God is moving and working in today's world. To learn more about Future Of, follow us on Instagram at futureof.cw. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ultra Modern Podcast. We are so grateful that you're tuning in. Uh, my name is Andy, and today we have a very special guest. If you go to Crosswalk Church, then you've heard of this name. If you've been a Loma Linda native, then you definitely have heard this name. Or if you're just well-versed in the Adventist world, this is one of the biggest names out there. We have Pastor Tim Gillespie with us today. What's up, Tim? What's happening, man? That's quite the introduction. I know. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I've talked to you briefly about this, um, but growing up, there were very few pastors that could hold my attention in a sermon. Like, I, I just, I was not a fan of church. It's not that I didn't like Jesus. I just didn't like <laughs> hearing sermons, you know? And the only two people that could ever hold my attention was you and Pastor Sam. Like, you two just had some way of, of talking that, it, like, just captured hearts, that made sense, that was relevant, you know? And I can't, throughout my, my, my um, upbringing, Pastor Tim, you were, like, one of those, those pastors Aww. I was just, like, looking up to. And now it's just so crazy that now I'm working under you. We get you. to work together. Yeah, I know. for sure, man. Dude, thanks for being here on this podcast and, and for, for leaning into this ministry with us. Um, so today I wanted to talk to you about uh, purpose, about trajectory in life, about finding our calling. Uh, I think this year is, these last two years, 2020 and 2021, have been kind of difficult for people because it can seem like our trajectory has been lost. Mm -hmm. Like in one sense, we're living this life where we know where we're going, we know what our dreams are for the future. And now with this new world that we're in, it's kind of hard to understand what we're called to do or what is possible to do now. Yeah. And, you know, right now we're in a series uh, called Rebuild the Dream. And the whole idea is that if we want to step into the best year that we can have that God has for us, then we have to be intentional about building foundations and being intentional about certain things. And today, what I really want to lean into is like, what is the dream? What is the calling? And maybe that calling or maybe that dream that we have needs to be replaced by the dreams and calling that God has for us. And so I know that's a lot, but I'm just trying to set up the conversation. Uh, uh. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about your journey with your calling or your journey with your, uh, your trajectory with, with, with the life that God has. Sure, sure. Um, first of all, let's define the term calling, right? Because I think we've used that in a lot of ways um, almost exclusively for like ministry. And I'm not sure that that's really fair. I, I believe wow. people are called to, to many things. I mean, I think, I hope my plumber feels as called to, to being a plumber as I do to being a pastor. I, yeah. I hope that's important to me. Um, and I hope it's important to them as they're fixing my, you know, <laughs> my <pipes>. plumbing. <laughs> it's pretty important. And in fact, I would argue they're more important than I am most days when they're needed. Yeah. Um, but so the way I define calling is um, when your passion and your purpose come together. I see. And um, God can really use that in wow. really powerful ways. And it's not, it's not in any particular area. For me, it was, um, I had kind of planned on going to, um, going to law school. My mom was a court reporter. I'd been around lawyers my whole life. My father was a professor and I'd been around professors and pastors my whole life as well. And so both of those trajectories were kind of open to me. I had a religious studies major as well as an English major. And so um, I graduated with two degrees back in the day. And I hadn't really planned on um, being a pastor necessarily. And in fact, had kind of hoped not to, not because I didn't respect pastors. We had a ton in our family and mm -hmm. in our lives, but because I didn't know that I fit the mold and I, I didn't know that my passion and my purpose could come together wow. in a way. And so it took God a little while to, um, to show that to me. And for me, it kind of culminated in getting two, possibly three job opportunities in one day. Mm. Um, and that was kind of a, wow, maybe God's calling me to this. Wow. Yeah. So for me, I took the one that sent me to seminary first okay. because I wanted to continue my education. I didn't know that I was ready to step in. Like for instance, the night before um, the interviews had all happened for pastoral interviews, which I hadn't planned on being on, um, but my dad was in charge of it and put me in the schedule. Right. Yeah. Kind of got stuck on it. Um, <laughs> the 
I, I had been playing with my band in a club the night before. And so it was kind of like, a, oh, wow, if I'm going to do this, then I'm a, I, I've got to drop a lot of other things, which I thought like I dropped music, which was a huge passion of mine. And yeah. I didn't think, didn't know how that would coincide with everything. Um, over the years, God has given all those things back. I, you know, I was playing music in little clubs and it ended up, I was playing music in arenas wow. for a while um, yeah. with the band that I ultimately um, got into as I was in seminary and that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, so the deal that I made when it came to the calling really was, um, and I don't know if God made the deal with me, but this is the deal I made with him. <laughs> yeah. If I can be myself in a ministry situation and not have to succumb to what other people thought a pastor should be or whatever, but I could literally do ministry in my own skin, then I would continue to work for God. Wow. And over the yeah. last 25 years, he's allowed that in, um, in every aspect of the ministry that I've been involved in. Yeah. And that's been really cool because it hasn't all been pastoral ministry right. in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, you point out something really important that, that w the deal that you made with God or that God made with you, um, you said, I want to be authentically who I am in the ministry uh, or in your calling which I think is something very important to point out because what I've seen is that sometimes you can have different personalities depending on which scenario you're in. And some, I, I know that there's this really go-getter mentality, which is good to have uh, when it comes to like new jobs or school. But sometimes I feel like there could be a sense of inauthenticity in it where you're not being truly who you are, truly who you, you feel called to be. And I know I've, I've definitely felt that. Like I, I went to... Uh, my parents are nurses and, you know, going into college, I for sure was like my, my calling is probably nursing because my parents are nurses. Mm. And I started hanging out with like the nursing crew, like everybody that was about it. And very quickly I started realizing like, I don't think I have the, <laughs> the thing here. Like I don't, I'm not the, like all the nursing students were reading like their, their textbooks nine o'clock at night, you know, or they spent all of Saturday studying and I was just out with my friends hanging out, you know, and sometimes it's not that you're not able to do something. Cause I'm sure I could have, if I really put myself to it, but sometimes there's certain things that don't resonate with right. your soul. Right. Um, what would you say to someone that is in a spot that, that maybe they're not in the calling that they want to be a part of and they feel maybe they're too deep into it. Like, do you have any advice on ever shifting trajectory or, because there's that, there's, it's kind of scary to shift trajectory when you're deep into something where right. you think that you're going this way and you feel God calling you another yeah. way. Listen, it's a long life, right? And, and mm. we are afforded not only second chances, but we're afforded re redirections or, or course corrections. Yeah. And I think that's pretty important because um, this is an overused saying, but, but, you know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. Wow. You know, yeah. you can't wait to get to work because you love what you do. If you hate what you do, Man, every day is drudgery. And I just don't think we live long enough to, to live a life that we're not excited about. Wow. So if you come to the realization that this isn't for me, change course. And yeah, it may set you back a year. It may set you back two years. That's okay. I know people who have been halfway through medical school and just looked around and realized this is not for me. And for some, it was probably the best decision that they ever made in their life. And for yeah. others, you know, they left and then ultimately decided, hey, I want to go back. You know, sometimes we need that clarification. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're walking in step with God um, and trying to move in the way that he wants us to, um, regardless of where we land, the journey is pretty important for us to go yeah. through. And yeah. if it's, um, if you're surrounded by people who say it's not okay to change course, you need to think about the advisors that you have. Because, um, yes, there's a lot of investment into something, but ultimately we have to be doing not only what we feel God calls us to, because I know a lot of ministers who've gone into ministry because they felt God called them to it, but that's not really their skill set and that's not really the joy of their life. Right. And, and I would hate for them to be stuck in ministry doing something mm. that they don't want to do. Right. You know, so, I, yeah, anyway. No, yeah, sorry. Some, sometimes you the fear of stepping into something new or something that you actually enjoy can be more powerful than what you think the outcome would be if you were to step into it. Right. Like, will it actually be worth it? Or will I actually be stepping into something that I enjoy, that I want to be a part of? And, you know, I, I definitely had a fear like that too when I was in college, because when I was in college, like I said, I was, all right, I'm probably going to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. My parents are nurses. It kind of makes sense. And you know, I not only did I not fit into the the nursing crowd or that 
that nursing mentality. Uh, but also, I went on a mission trip, and I definitely saw this guy get his leg cut open, which was, I mean, sorry, it was, it was during a surgery. So okay. it wasn't just random, like this guy on the street. No, I was on a mission trip and, you know, they were doing surgeries. I got to be in the room when they actually did a surgery. And I was pumped, like just ready to go, thinking that it was going to be this awesome experience. And they put the guy on the table, put him to sleep. And they described, well, they described the surgery beforehand. I guess before we had gotten there to Mexico, like a year before, this guy had gotten in a motorcycle accident, mm. broke his leg, didn't get it fixed or anything, so it healed in this big mass of, of bone, you know? And the goal was to essentially break it, put it in place. Sorry, this is kind of gruesome. <laughs> break it, put it in place, put some screws or whatever, and then seal them up, and that was going to be the surgery. And I remember just being super stoked, like, this is going to be dope. This this will be the moment where what I've been waiting for. And I'm in the room watching it happen, and they they begin to like cut the guy's leg open and i i started feeling woozy you know because i hadn't seen blood like that before right. and you know i'm on the wall i'm not assisting in the surgery but i'm on the wall just watching and i start to feel myself feel weird so i lean more on the wall and there's this kid helping out in the surgery or he was a college student and the, I, i'm facing the doctor and the kid is is at the table facing the the table and the doctor goes hey are you feeling okay and the guy's like standing there just straight stiff and he goes yeah i'm okay i think i just might pass out and as soon as he said that he just falls straight back oh, no. knocks out cold in the middle of the oh, sur my surgery it was terrifying because <laughs> i i start freaking out because right. i don't know anything at that point i know that if you want to sleep you choose to sleep when you go to bed at night so he <laughs> involuntarily went to bed in front of everybody and i start freaking out and that was just one of those moments where i was just like this is not mm -hmm. medical field this is just not for me you right. know like this is not um and you know i got back to puc and i, I want to talk a little bit about maybe the moment you understand your calling or is there a moment you understand your calling because for me there wasn't any like specific moment where i felt god was speaking to me right it was a bunch of little moments mm -hmm. can you can you talk a little bit about sure. that sure i think some people do i think some people know yeah. for sure like i was um in college with my college roommate um he he always knew he was going to be a clinical child psychologist and i remember we were walking into a movie and this um this group of kids comes walking out with um you know down syndrome and autism and this mm. sort of thing and um you know, I hate to say it, but I was a little taken back a little bit. Hadn't been around a lot of people like that. And, um, and man, my buddy Andre just, I mean, he just opened up. He literally just put his hands out and kids were walking into him, giving him hugs and this and that. And I thought, this wow. guy's born to do this. Wow, yeah. Um, I never had that same sort of sense. Um, I'm okay at a lot of different things. Mm. So there's not just one thing that I can do that clearly God has blessed me for. Um, but, but call is confirmed in community. A mm -hmm. lot. When when I decided I was going to be a pastor, or at least go to seminary, um, man, the community all came around me and said, yeah, this makes total sense. Like this really, this aligns with your value system. This aligns with your passions. Wow. This aligns with your talents. And so I think we need to listen in community. Yeah. I think that's important. And, and we should have a community that can recognize and confirm a call yeah. in our lives. But, but a call, remember, it's where passion meets purpose. Mm. That will change over time. I don't believe a call is lifelong. Like wow. I know people who have left ministry and people have said, oh, you're, you're not fulfilling your calling. But I'm not sure that it's always, in mm. fact, I don't believe that it's necessarily always a lifelong thing. And sometimes we grow and we learn and it's time for us to move on to something else. Yeah. And I think that's important. I know this, God leads in peace. So mm. when you make a decision and you have peace about it, even if it's a really hard decision, even if it's one of those like 180, like I don't want to go here, I want to go in a different direction. Yeah. You will have peace in your heart about it, and you'll know that if you're if you're anywhere self-actualized and, and can listen to your heart. Yeah, um, you'll know you'll know when it's a good decision, and when you make a bad decision and you have no peace, listen to that because mm. chances yeah. are, and we have all been in this situation, right? We're dating somebody, and um, we like them, but we don't realize that everyone around us is like, this is not a good relationship. Wow. Yeah. So then you get out of the relationship, and everyone's really careful. Cause they don't want to say, Oh, thank God. <laughs> Just in case you get back together with them. Right, yeah. But after a few months, they're like, Hey, you know, it's really, 
it's good that you guys aren't together. Not that we're, we're both great people, but together it was a difficult thing. Yeah. So um, I think we have to listen to the communities around us Yeah. because they know us in ways that we don't necessarily know ourselves. You are so spot on about that. And I have, I have there's two things that you brought up re- that are really important. One, it's community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I w- also after that, I want to kind of dive into your idea of calling because I, I, I resonate with that. Maybe you don't have like calling into one thing, but right. it could branch out. But first, I think community is so important to your calling, to finding your purpose, your trajectory in life. You have to have the right community. And, you know, one time I gave a sermon, and I put it this way, that a, a, a seed or a plant will only grow as much as the soil has nutrients. Mm-hmm. And if you're not rooted in a community that has nutrients in it, that is built to actually grow you, then you're probably not going to grow. And what I've also found, though, is that you could have the best community around you, but until you choose to actually lean in and trust what they say, you're probably not going to grow. Right. So what what would you say, and mind you, this is a safe space, what would you say to <laughs> someone that's kind of hard-headed or stubborn about what people are telling them in their life? Like how, what's like a safe way to, to approach a situation like that? Or or what, I'm, what I think what I'm really trying to get to is, I know there's been portions of my life where I heard certain things from my community and I just didn't want to listen to it because I didn't think it was true. Right. Like, what would you say to that person, like to 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 maybe soften their heart and to trust the the voice of the people around them? Yeah. So it it begins with the idea that we have to earn the right to speak in anyone's life. Mm. Right. Just in the same way that we have to earn the right to speak the gospel into someone's life, we can't just you know yell at them and assume that they're gonna right. they're gonna take yeah. it so um everyone in life should have people that they're accountable to and are accountable for um so that they they listen to and that they are responsible for wow. building those relationships yeah. and and you listen to those people that you know have your their best interests in mind if you don't have anybody like that in your life you need to kind of reevaluate your understanding of what community is. Wow. And then sometimes people just get hard-headed, and we have to labor with them carefully, thoughtfully. Um, friends don't walk away when they disagree. Friends yeah. disagree and then go back for another part of that conversation. And um, But everyone in their life should have someone that they do listen to. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. if you're kind of an island to yourself, you're going to get into really – it's going to end up poorly for you. Yes. And so, um, you know, you just have to labor with them, but you have to do it with kindness. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to have earned the right to speak that. Wow. And what I've always found is, um, so I'm a horrible counselor. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, people come in and they say, oh, you know, I did this, I did that. And more than like trying to process them through it, I have a tendency to be like, well, that was dumb. Why did you do that? Yeah. So people have a tendency not to come to me for counseling, which mm. is probably good, <laughs> except when they want to hear the truth. Mm. So I've become a real truth speaker to certain people in their lives. And when I get a call, they're like, okay, everyone's affirming me in this. I need to hear the truth. And what's interesting is that I never have to say anything. Mm. They're coming to me because they know everything they're being told is not the truth of what's really going on. So you got to make sure you've got somebody like that in your life, you know, that can speak the truth and that you'll listen to. And some people are just hard-headed and they're going to have to go down a path that's going to ultimately end and hopefully not ruin, but hopefully it's going to teach them a few things. Yeah. The school of hard knocks is a real, a real true thing. Oh, yeah. um, and that's okay. Consequences are okay. Yeah. The hope is that, and this is what I think a good community does. A good community creates some, I hate this term, but I suppose it's the right one right now, some guardrails, mm. right? That helps people not fall off the edge. Right. But like they run into the guardrails a few times, they're going to get some bruises on their shins. Yeah. That's okay. That, that's a really good point because I think sometimes you could be almost overprotective of the people in your life. Right. And think there's no way that they are going to, you know, make it through this or I have to protect them from this thing. But looking back on my life and mind you, my life is not perfect. My life is flawed. I've made many mistakes. I can see that although they were telling me something that, that they wanted me to learn until I learned it for myself, I wasn't going to grow. So I think there has to be a willingness to allow somebody to, to make those mistakes and realize that they're growing and maturing the same way that you did. Another thing that you talked about was having someone that you can be accountable to in your life that you trust and know that they're going to speak truth into your life. And the thing is, that truth sometimes can be difficult because although we, w- we want the best for somebody, sometimes we recognize that what they're doing, what they're, they're spending their time with isn't the best use of their time or of their, of their intention. And, you know, I think one of the most difficult things is finding that 
that voice in your life. Because for me, I know I'm, I am such a uh, positive person to the point where sometimes it can be detrimental mm -hmm. because I get scared to tell somebody what they're doing wrong because I don't want to hurt the relationship, you know? And one of the things that I've kind of learned is that the people that have been the most straight with me about the reality of things are actually the people that care the most about me, right. that aren't just trying to tell me the things that I want to hear, but that I need to hear. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think of it as, um, I mean, not only as a parent, but you could see it in a, a father-son relationship. If a father doesn't tell his son the danger of this or, or you shouldn't go here because he knows the consequences, then the father would actually be missing a part of his, his teaching to the right. son because he's not um, directing him. Um, so these are, these are all good points. And the, I want to continue the conversation now in talking about calling, because you said something very interesting that we, we sometimes will have this idea of calling as being one trajectory, mm. like one thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life. And, you know, even saying that right now makes it seem like, wow, one thing for the rest of my life, that's right. what I'm made to do. What would you say to somebody about that? Because, you know, I for sure... Sometimes now, I'm, I mean, I'm new to the ministry game, and I think about it. Do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Right. Is there anything else that God has for me? And I believe the answer is yes, that, that God has other things for me. But how do we accept that? Because that could be a difficult reality sometimes or a scary reality, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, one of my mentors told me one time, um, you know, life is kind of like a series of doors and you decide whether you're going to walk through them mm. and every door on the other side of it, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, or there might be, there might be a little bit of danger. There might be a lot of, a lot of different things. Right. Life is a series of trusting as we walk through each one of those doors. Mm. And, um, you know, because everyone's journey is different, you may, you may veer away. I, I stepped away from pastoral ministry for a few years. It may happen again at some point. That's okay. Um, because, because the underlying purpose of my life is that people would know Christ. They would know him better. They would mm -hmm. live, be able to live better lives because of what Christ has done for us. I can do that in a lot of different settings. Um, I hope I can do it in a lot of different settings. And to think that this is the only one place where God can work wow. is really limiting. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in the priesthood of all believers. So I, I want my, I, you know, I always use this example. I want my plumber to be a witness for Christ mm. as much as my pastors are a witness for yeah. Christ. And um, so, so purpose doesn't change. Trajectory might. Context might. But your purpose and your passion doesn't necessarily change. Right. And that's the beauty of the gospel, right? It transcends all of that. It should. It should transcend. If only yeah. professional pastors, if we're the only ones who can share the gospel, the gospel's in trouble. Wow. Yeah. You know? you, you're, I love what you're making a connection to because it seems like calling, passion, uh, and purpose all kind of unite in sharing the gospel. Because I, 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 I think I'm hearing that in what you're saying, that if you are... If you are able to share the gospel and what you're doing, then that is something that you're going to find something uh, uh, worth in, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I, ha I know that I have for sure been part of the crew that thinks that the only way to share the gospel is in church or is in a, a pastoral setting. But the reality is you could be sharing the gospel as a nurse or yeah. you could be sharing the gospel as uh, a burger flipper. Like you ever seen that video where... Uh, the guy walks into the restaurant and he goes, who made this burger? Like, who made this burger? And, and everybody's like nervous because like, why is this guy mad? And the, the cook goes like, I made the burger. And he goes, I love you. Thank you for this burger, you know? <laughs> and, you know, maybe your calling is flipping burgers. I don't know. But I think what's very important to know is that, that I think this is what we're getting to is that God can work in any area that you step into. Yeah. Um, now, what is some hope that we can have during the pandemic, you know? Because we have an interesting job where for a big portion of what we did for so long was uniting people, having people gather, meet each other. Now that's not a reality that we can do safely. Yeah. And we were trying it for a little bit and hopefully we can in the future. But, you know, what, what is a way that you've learned during the season to shift trajectory or to, to hope again about the future? Because this season has been a little scary. Yeah. It's been scary. It's been long. Um, the history of the world is pretty long. 
And this is a moment in it. When I think about this, I'm probably experiencing this very differently than you are because I've got an extra 20 years on you or so, mm-hmm. um, maybe more. Um, I think about my kids, you know, for my 14-year-old, this year and a half is, you know, like 8% of his life. Right, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And and so he's experiencing this in a very different way. My mom, who's 78, is experiencing it in a very different way as well. It's a, it's a blip as opposed to a bump, which it is for me, which it's a much more of a mountain for my son. Mm. And so um, the hope that I have is that we'll get through this, that we'll pull ourselves together and we'll get through this. Mm. But I also have a hope that transcends all of that. And I, I'm so fascinated by the language of Scripture where it says, you know, a, a hope that supersedes understanding or a hope that passes, a peace that passes understanding, a hope that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so even when I don't know, I have hope because that's what we are as people who believe in, in God. Um, wow. You know, I was telling my daughter yesterday, sometimes we do life in millimeters, mm. right? So get, get to the next thing. Finish the thing you're doing right now and get to the next thing. And that's all you need to worry about. Mm. And we all have days like that, right? Millimeter days. Then we've got these mild days where they're huge and big things happen. And it's really exciting. I can see the future. Um, God is with us in every single one of those, whether it's yeah. a millimeter, whether it's a mile. We have to accept that that's sometimes how life is. Yeah. You know, the hardest thing for me in this time is being the loss of momentum. Like it felt like our church was exploding, yeah. like physically exploding more and more sites, this and that. Yes. And then the pandemic hit, we shut down, we're not meeting. And then we plant two more churches. Right. That's a God momentum. That's not an us momentum. Yeah. So, you know, and, and again, you know, it, living life by millimeters is not necessarily bad. And it's also not the thing we're going to do forever, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. You know, I found myself kind of, romanticizing the past sometimes <laughs> yeah. of like oh remember when we could you know meet in the room and worship or whatever thing you know and i kind of forget that life back then also was millimeters and miles mm-hmm. i i kind of have been living currently um with this idea of like i cannot wait till this is over or i just am living in the past remember because i you know how instagram will show you like a year ago today oh, yeah. So I was looking at my stories from a year ago from this month. And a year ago this month, we had a future of in this room right here. And I was looking at pictures. There was like 115 people wow. there. The room was packed out. I was speaking. And I'm re- I remember the sermon that I gave. And thinking back on that, I was like, what a different time. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a carefree time. <laughs> but the reality is we've always lived in this life of millimeters and miles life where sometimes it feels like you know, the big God moment where we see God move, right. an event happens and, and, and everybody kind of feels like they're pulled together. Then we also have experienced the millimeter moments where, you know, you don't even want to make it past the next hour. You just want to be done with the day. You right. know? Um, that is, that, that, that's just such a, a real thing that we experience. And I think, Isai, you put it this way. The people that did the best in the pandemic were the people who were able to adjust and adapt to the mm-hmm. changes, you know, right. like the, the people that were able to, you know, you can't have 12 eggs anymore. He put it that way or something like that. <laughs> you have to figure <laughs> out something else, you know, and that, that's not just true for the pandemic. That's true for life, that, that the life, that life probably belongs to those who are willing to adapt and willing to change. Yeah. Um, but that's always difficult, right. you know, think um, about think about the children of Israel if I can. Yes. Um think about the children of Israel. They get to go through the Red Sea, right, in the Exodus. That's a miles moment. Mm. Like sea opens up, they walk through. Um then they spend 40 years in the desert. Wow. <laughs> Those are millimeter moments. Millimeter and last sure. way longer. Yeah. Right? Exhausting. Mm-hmm. But they were able to, you know, not all the time, but but for the majority of the time, they were able to remain, remain faithful to God because God was not just there powerfully in the mile moment and then disappeared. Mm. Then for the next 40 years, he gave them manna, right? Wow. Pillar of smoke, pillar of fire, all these things. So God is faithful in both those moments. We just like the bigger ones because they're way crazy, more exciting, man. right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I'd rather have those moments all the time. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that those big, huge moments build faith. Mm. In the same way that the millimeters on, do. Yeah. Because when you think about it, when when 
you know, they get out. Moses sings this beautiful song with Mary. And then he goes up to the mountain. He goes up to Sinai. And then they immediately forget and they make the golden calf. Mm-hmm. Like the big moments aren't the ones that define our lives. It ends up being the aggregation, yeah. right, of 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 one moment after another moment after another moment, building us up to the point where Dang. we can see. That's so, so good. The, maybe, maybe we could put it this way. The millimeter is what makes the mile. Exactly. Right? The, the small moments is what actually builds up to the, this big moment. And I think that's something that I'm trying to be intentional intentional with this year in my spiritual life. And I'm trying to share that with our community right now is maybe, maybe the equivalent of millimeters and miles can be foundations mm-hmm. that we want these big spiritual moments. And mind you, I grew up in the Adventist, this, this SoCal Adventist system. So some staples in my spiritual life was church every Saturday, chapel every Friday, you know, um, Bible camp every February, mm-hmm. January, February. And these were things that we looked forward to and were sustainers for our faith. So we had these moments that we were going to, we knew that we were going to experience like this, this um, awakening or right. this mountaintop moment. That's what was sustaining my faith for so long. Then we step into 2020, <laughs> the year that we all want to forget. And I, you know, my faith and my spiritual life took a dive because the only thing that I had that was sustaining me was hearing your sermons every Saturday, worshiping and, 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 and having mm-hmm. Ashley or Natalie lead on stage. These were the things that were sustaining me. And when that's taken, all of a sudden I find myself in a spiritual deficit because I don't have anything that's feeding me, you know? Right. So I think one of the, what, what's so important is to build foundations because it's in a sense, you're, those are those millimeter moments when right. you're building your foundations. Right. It's doing the work so that you're preparing yourself for the God moment or right. for the mile marker, you know, which is difficult. Can you shed some light on the importance of maybe some unpopular things here? Okay. Uh, maybe the importance of reading scripture and praying because it's not that it's not fun but at the same time i can see why somebody doesn't always have the inclination to do it because it takes time right? yeah 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 um so my admonition is always a little shocking to people my admonition is stop reading scripture mm. start studying scripture Whew. it's a different thing Right. Um, in Islam, they say we don't read the Quran; we study the Quran. Wow. Um, and I think that's if we can if we can take a, take a nod from our Muslim brother and sisters. I think that's really important. That's so good. Right. Stop reading. Stop trying to do a ninety day read through the Bible. Mm. I don't know what good that is to anybody. I'm sure it is good for somebody. And so praise God, He can bless through that. But for me, I'll spend ninety days on a chapter. Wow. Right? I can easily spend 90 days on, on chapter one in Romans, wow. getting really deep into the word study, getting really deep into, um, into really understanding what they're trying to say. Right. Right? I remember in, um, in my first preaching class I ever took, we had to write a sermon every single day for mm. 30 days on the <laughs> book of Philippians. There's not that much. There's four chapters. Yeah. There's not that much. Yeah. Man, so, you know, by day 12, I'm like, well, I don't know. I like, I've preached all. <laughs> so I had to study it. I had to go back and what's a nuance I didn't get? What's something that I didn't understand? Wow. Do the language study. Do the words. All the materials are out there in, in Scripture. Never just read your Bible alone. Have, you know, an interlinear open. Have, yeah. you know, the opportunity. Go back to the Greek, even if you don't know Greek, so you can learn what these words are. Right. Change the way that you look at scripture and realize that it's so deep, like it's deep upon deep upon deep. You can just keep going down yeah. into it. You don't need to go so wide. And when I realized that in my study um, of scripture, like I stopped doing the, well, I'm just going to open the Bible and see what it has for me today. Mm. Like, uh, no, that's yeah. that's inappropriate. You're like forcing a miracle on God to make something make sense to you. Yeah, Do the work. Right? Stephen Foster in his book, The Celebration of the Disciplines, says the spiritual disciplines are not, are not the road to your salvation. Right? It's, not the, it's not the ultimate end of the journey for your salvation, but it puts you in a place where God can bless wow. because your head's in the right place. It's the right. same way that um, Alcoholics Anonymous um, says you know, the house that we build with the 12 steps is not health. Mm. but health can inhabit that house because you've built the structure around it Oof. for it to work. And that's, that's the same great. thing with the spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And so study, prayer, fasting, service, um, what else? Worship, all these things that are spiritual disciplines, some that are internal, some that are external. Yeah. All those things are what 
what they're the millimeters, like you said, yeah. right? They're the millimeters that make us recognize the miles. Wow. And if a mile moment never happens, you can always look back and realize that the miles are behind you already. Ooh, that's so good, right? Man. Dude, you, you are spot on. And I think I actually wanted you to get to that point because I remember one time you said, stop reading your verse of the day in the Bible app or something along mm-hmm. those lines. And you said, you're trying to force God into this moment for you and you're not actually doing the work. And, you know, I, I've, been, I've been guilty or I don't know how to put it. I have definitely tried to force God into a moment, you know, or try to get God to, I was living for that spiritual moment. I mm-hmm. think that's what I'm trying to say. Right. I, was, I was living for that mountaintop moment. But in reality, there's a whole life that Jesus wants to, us to live in the millimeters, mm-hmm. in, in the trenches. And, you know, I think one, one thing that I've always had a difficulty um, doing was connecting my spiritual life to my maybe social life or my academic life or my professional life. And I, I would read scripture, but I would read it simply to connect to God, but not in a positive way. I don't know how to put it. I, I, I didn't think that it was actually going to help me in life. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe to add to what you're saying is, what we have to recognize is that if we want a fulfilling life that Jesus has for us, then we have to make that connection between our spiritual life and our you know, social life or our, our business life or whatever it is, that life. And there has to be some kind of connection between them. Where, or I think what I'm trying to say is growing up, I definitely had fun with my friends or, and I definitely enjoyed life. But the moments that I enjoyed life most were the moments where I f- not that I felt God, but I knew that I was strong in mm-hmm. my faith. And that, that's not the object. Like you said, it, it was like I built this house that, was, that life was able to enter into. Mm-hmm. You know? I was able to actually experience life in a fuller way because I had this foundation set. And, you know, it didn't always last because I didn't recognize it in the moment. That's what I was doing. But maybe today if you're listening and you're trying to understand how to make a connection between your spiritual life and your, your social life or your, your academic life, maybe, maybe the answer is really digging into studying, mm-hmm. like actually understanding scripture and really digging into that, uh, those millimeters, yeah. you know? Let me, let me go one step further. Let me go one step further than you did. I think you need to stop defining your life by this life and that life. Mm. We have one life. Wow. Right. And, and there's no, there's no bifurcation. There's no separation between our spiritual lives and our professional lives and our social lives and, and our physical lives. Like they're all the same. God created us, created us as whole beings. And so the dumbest question you can ask, even though we all ask it, mm-hmm. is how's your spiritual life? Wow. Because what are you asking? You're asking me how many times I pray? A lot. I pray a lot. Is it, <laughs> so is it good? Like those, those are weird metrics. Right. Right. The question is not, How's your, how's your spiritual life? The question is, how are you? Wow. Where do you see God working in your life? Yeah. And if someone says, well, in church, that's it. We haven't done our job Mm. as Christians to show where God is working everywhere in life, right? The question used to be is, you know, where are the miracles? And the more you live this life and the more you grow in it, the more you mature in faith, the question is, where isn't there miracles? Mm. Right. It, it changes everything. And so we have to stop thinking about as, you know, say, sacred and secular. And, you know, and when you do that, yeah. you stop listening, you know, y- y- the idea of like, oh, I'm listening to my Christian music now versus my <laughs> secular music now. Like, yeah. stop that. God's at work in everything. Mm. I mean, I don't think there's much that God can't work in unless something has specifically rejected God. Wow. And so... Um, so let God be God and let him out of the bounds of your spiritual life and let him flow over because he's already in those other aspects as well. Yeah. I, I want to pick your mind on a couple of things because I can imagine maybe one of our more traditional listeners right now might hear what you're saying and, and, and maybe think, not work on my spiritual life. Listen to sec- secular music. What, are you, what do you mean, Pastor Tim, you know? But I am I'm very much digging what you're saying of this this sense of God is everywhere. God God is in the secular and the sacred, or there is no secular or sacred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we understand an idea like that? Because for for me, I know growing up, it was very very uh, clear cut. This is what God approves of. This is what's not. Right. This is what you can listen to. You can watch a movie if it's 
you know, before this time and then not until this time. Even my parents, you know, their upbringing was you can't go to the movies, you know? Right. What what advice would you give or how would you try to set someone free from maybe the the cage that they may be in? I don't know how to put it. No, no, I think that's a good. So, so, um, so we've committed a couple sins in our faith tradition. Uh, I mean, we've all committed quite a few, but, um, but two of the biggest sins that I think we've committed is, um, behavioralism. You have to behave a certain way. So God will love you a little bit more. Mm. And the second one is certainty, the sin of certainty. We've got it all worked out. Here are the boundaries. Here are the things, right? I mean, we can all, maybe we can't all, but I remember when they used to, and I think churches still do this, they used to um, publish the the time of sundown in the bulletin. So you knew that at 632, the sun went down. Wow. <laughs> that is specifically teaching us to be works-oriented. Mm. Okay, I know when my Sabbath ends. I don't know when Sabbath ends. Why would I want Sabbath to end? Why do I need to know the moment Sabbath ends? Wow. Because we function that way, right? The problem is this. We're fence dwellers, right? We go to the very edges of what we can do because we always want to be right on the edge of what's safe. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, we're hoping to get to the end. If you're really focused on the center of what your faith is, which is Jesus Christ, I don't ever want to get away from that. Wow. I don't want to know when Sabbath ends. I don't need to know when Sabbath starts because for me, it's all a Sabbath when I'm in the presence of Jesus. That's so good, man. We have to change the way we're thinking about these things. God doesn't love us more because we didn't do something, you know, at at 6.31, but we (laughs) did it at 6.33. Like, is God really like up there? Like, oh, hey, hey, your watch was not keeping the right time. Uh I mean, if that's the case, he must be so happy we all have cell phones that are all set to the standard time now. So there's no mixing up. The the arguments become silly, right? We all have that argument, you know, that that experience of how far can I get in the water on Sabbath? (laughs) That's weird. That's weird. And, And I don't think we should raise our children that way. Yeah. Right. I think what they need to know is that God is in everything. Mm. And, and they should make good decisions. When, when my kids are listening to music, my, uh, my question to them is, hey, is this a good thing? What is this teaching you? How are you growing? Does this move you closer to God? Wow. If it doesn't, maybe it's not something you need in your life. Or explain to me how it's blessing you, how it's teaching you, how it's changing you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was blessed to grow up in a house that my dad did that, mm. right? He didn't walk in and say, you shouldn't listen to that music. He said, let me see the, let me see the J card, we called them, in, with cassettes. Is. I know, it was, the, it was the album cover and a Jesus cassette. Card? It was called a J card. No. Uh, it was not no. a Jesus card. <laughs> but I remember him walking into my room one time and he said, hey, let me see the lyrics. And I was like, I don't think you should look at the lyrics, dad. <laughs> and he was like, if I can't look at the lyrics, should you be listening to the lyrics? Wow. Like, how is that, how is that building you up? How is that growing you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, they say some horrible things. But then they say this good stuff. And we had an inter- a really interesting conversation right. because to say, and, and listen, there are definitely things that are wrong. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I'm not yeah. saying that there's not things that, that are wrong, right. yeah. but, but we have to stop being these fence dwellers that are living on the edge of what is okay. Mm. Right. Cause relationships don't work that way. Right. Yeah. I don't tell my wife, like, what's the least I can do for you? Wow. Because the truth is that is all, that is all, um, what's the word that that's Legalistic. Legalism. Or, That's yeah. all. Legalism is asking what's the least I can do. It's right. not asking what's the most I can do. Yeah. If I said to my wife, if I said, hey, honey, I'd like to marry you before I married her. If I said, I'd like to get married to you, but I'd like just to, I'd like a better understanding of what the, what's the least I can do to stay married to you. Because that's what I'm going to do. Just the least. Right. If that's it, and she, she has said, to tell Bye. me, that's a bad relationship, <laughs> right? If that's how we're dealing with God, that's a problem. Wow. So, yeah. so when it, when you say, let's, how do we free people from this? You've got to stop thinking that your relationship with God is based on just what you do. Wow. That is so good, man. Right. Do you have friends that just are like, oh, I'm out. Mm. You, you watched a TV show I didn't like at a time I didn't like it. Peace. Peace. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And if we believe that God is real, if we believe that God is personal, if we believe that he is intimate and that he's intimately involved with us, then he's going to go with us on the good moments and on the bad moments. That's God will so be good, with man. us and present when we sin just as much as when we, we make him happy with the things that we're doing. Yeah. Right? Wow. You, Tim, fist bump real quick. Can we, we do go. that? 
that that was absolute flames. I could not put it better. I I think that it keeping Jesus at the center of all of it is what really matters. And I had never thought of it this way because I always had kind of a something felt wrong in my heart the way that we held on to Sabbath because mm. in reality Sabbath is this beautiful thing, this covenant, this blessing that God has given us. And I never thought about that. Why do we want the Sabbath to end? Like if your if your goal is to like just get it over with, are you actually having a true view of the Sabbath? You're not that's keeping so it regimented? anyway. Exactly. Anyway, Sabbath's not for keeping. Sabbath's for giving. Dude, I should we get into that or? Sure. <laughs> no, I I I think that really what we're getting down to is this idea of Jesus needs to be at the center of mm-hmm. your spiritual life. There's no like, don't live in this fear mentality. If I do this or if I don't do this, then God is angry at me. But very much so, it's it's this blessing that Jesus wants to give you, this this life with him. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I, I just haven't thought about Sabbath in these ways. I, I think I've grown up in a very, like, not, this is not a detriment to my parents. This is just sure. the culture that we've been in. Right. We have grown up in a very legalistic culture that has maybe disguised itself as uh, the right way, you mm-hmm. know? And... I think, oh, this is what I was going to talk about. We took a little break because I was trying to remember <laughs> what I was talking about. But you said, like, you, you, you have a real friend probably won't leave if you watch a certain Netflix show at the wrong time, you know? Like, like friends stick together. And I think when we think of God, we could also think, God, uh, think of God as a father or God as our mother, as a parent figure. And this one time, I don't know if I told this story before on the podcast yet, so if I already have apologies, but listen again. I was going from PUC to uh, Southern California. We both went to PUC. Yep. Um, I was going from PUC to Southern California. My dad got me a flight, and I was going home for the weekend. And I was walking to the bathroom, and in front of me was his father and the son. And the son was very young, like three or four, just a baby still. And he's holding his son's hand, and they're walking into the bathroom. And they get in before me, and as I enter in, I see the little boy, the son, walking into the stall, and he's closing the door, and his dad is waiting on the outside of it. And right as he's about to close it, he swings the door open. He looks at his dad, and he points at him, and he goes, Dad, don't go anywhere. I'm going to be in here pooping. <laughs> this little three-, four-year-old kid tells him, closes the door, you know, and does his thing. Everybody in the bathroom, like, has this chuckle. They all laugh, you know, but... I, you know, I go to the restroom, get on the plane, we're leaving, but I'm just thinking about that situation, like how funny it was, how cute it was, but then I start really thinking about it. This kid, and mind you, I don't think this kid was thinking deep thoughts. Maybe it wasn't, right. but probably, probably not. But this kid said to his father not to leave. This kid thought he had to convince his dad not to leave that stall door. And mind you, I know that there are dads out there that did not do their job the way that they should. But I think that there is an ideal way to be a father. And really, we see the father figure in Christ or in God. And I think about my father. And I think if I was that little boy, nothing would tear that father, my father, away from that stall door. Like the plane could be leaving in a minute and he would miss the flight, Mm -hmm. have to buy a new one or just cancel the trip. You know, they could have shut down all the flights that day. And that nothing, absolutely nothing was going to take my dad or that dad away from that door because that was his son. That was his child. That, right. Like, I am my, my father's son. And, you know, I, I think when we think of God, it becomes this weird dichotomy of we sing these beautiful songs to him. But then if we stop, we all of a sudden think, oh, God is angry at us. Right. God is wanting to, he's out for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to shift our perspective in that. In the same way, my dad isn't going to leave that stall door. Our friends shouldn't leave us if we watch Netflix at a certain time. We need to remember God loves us. God wants a life with us. He wants to continue being a part of our lives. And in the conversation of sacred and secular, maybe the perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong or or make it better because you are very articulate in a way that I'm not. Maybe the goal isn't to to live up to the fence or or to just see what God is okay with and what is not, but just live in this unity with God. Yeah. Live in this beautiful relationship where 
you know there's assurance. You know that God is not going to leave you. You know that God isn't looking for that first mess up to just be like, all right, peace, I'm out, right. you know? No, dude, your story was Romans 8, 38, and 39, mm. right? That, that was literally yeah. the story that you told. It was kind of a cool interpretation of it, there you go. right? For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities yes. nor things present nor things to come nor mm -hmm. powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. So why do we think he's leaving? Yeah. Why do we live our lives with this fear that if I do the wrong thing, God's going to go? If, 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 you know, we lose our salvation, like we lose a set of car keys, mm. we're like, well, I thought I had it, but now I'm not, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it went somewhere else. What faith do we have? What confidence do we have in God? And, so and when good, you man. see everything through the lens of the cross, when, when, when Christ is all, right, when Jesus is all, you stop worrying about, oh, is that, is that thing okay? Is that thing okay? Because you realize God is in the midst of all of this. Yeah. We say God is, is, is omnipresent, right? We say God's everywhere, and then we go see him at church. Mm. Like, Only at church. Like, what is that? Why, <laughs> what have we forgot? Like, how do we define these things? It doesn't make sense to me that we make God so much smaller than he is. Wow. And it's, I, I wonder if God is constantly like, really, guys, really? I told you this. I told you this very clearly. Yeah. You know, he even physically showed us when he died and he ripped the, the, the curtain in the temple from the top to the bottom, not the bottom from the top, from mm -hmm. the top to the bottom. And by the way, that curtain, they say it was like this thick, Jeez. like it was crazy. It took something like 138 or something priests to, to, to clean this thing once a year. Wow. And he rips it from the top to the bottom to say, you know, that divide between sacred and secular. Yeah, that doesn't exist. Wow. I'm everywhere. Wow. Right. Yeah. That, that curtain can't hold me back. So, so why do we live our lives? Like there's this like God is not powerful. God is not, it's just, and then we fall in love with the things we say about God as if that's God. No, wow. it's not. Like, come on. Yeah. God is bigger than the words that we have. God is bigger than the thoughts that we have. God is greater than, you know, all the worship songs we can put together. And of course, we're seeking to express that more and better. And that's why, like, even in our faith tradition, we have these fundamental beliefs, statements of fundamental beliefs, but we change them when we're like, oh, that didn't make sense. We got to use better language. We got to mm. make better things. And so, don't let God be small. Wow. Right? Yeah. Assume he's bigger than you think that he is and then live into that bigness. Yeah. Right? Don't be afraid that God's not going to be there. Yeah. Be afraid that you're not going to recognize him. Dang, that's so good. And I I don't think you could ever oversize God, right? right? Like, oh, God can't be that good. God can't be that big. Like rest in the reality that God is that big right. and that he is going to sustain you. Tim, thank you so much for being here today, Thanks man. Thanks for having me, man. I, I cannot fun. tell you. I'm feeling blessed by this right now because of, you know, the turmoil that I experienced in 2021. I can't imagine, and I, or I can't imagine what our listeners are feeling. So thanks so much to our lead pastor, Pastor Tim. We love you, man. Thanks so, so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening today. If you guys have questions or comments, I want to invite you to email us. That's andy at crosswalkvillage.com. That will go straight to me. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll awesome. catch you guys later.